0: Hello and welcome to the 58th edition of the ACC Now podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman, the News Observer Duke Beat Writer. Very pleased today to be joined by a distinguished guest, Dave Harding, uh, in his sixth year as the uh, Duke Color Analyst on on the Duke Radio Network, former Duke player. I covered his career here, part of it anyway. Uh, Dave, thanks for being with us.
1: Steve, always great to be with you and certainly have appreciated our relationship over the years. mentioned you covered... Uh, as a player, and then now kind of working together on covering Duke football. So certainly a lot to talk about uh. In any fall, but especially this year with all the different storylines swirling around,
0: there are there are plenty. That's for sure. Yeah, we've uh, we've, we've we've talked to each other. You are a player, now you're uh, on the kind of the media side, and uh, share a few meals together. Oh, that's right. right.
1: Most importantly,
0: yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh,
1: we're not going hungry.
0: That's <laughs> right. That's right. So yeah, no, and here we are. Uh, it's Duke UNC week. That's a big thing going on uh, in the area. Always a big thing for whatever sport they're playing, but football, basketball, in particular and um, first time Mike Elko is going to be involved in this. We'll talk about the changes he's made in the program. I guess let's kind of start there before we go any further because the last couple of years, obviously, the DQC game was lopsided like many Duke football games were. uh, You had to to talk about that a lot on the radio during the game. no doubt. (laughs) Uh, But just what have you seen so far, the differences you think Elko's made?
1: I have been so impressed with Coach Elko and uh, the focus that he's – brought in and the energy that he's brought to the program from day one. And we were both at the introductory press conference and I honestly didn't know much about him outside of just some basic research Mm -hmm. heading into that. And I thought he knocked the press conference out of the park and has continued to uh, exceed expectations, at least from my standpoint since that day. Um, And I, I feel uh, his, his focus has been in the right spot. And it was first of all in kind of setting the tone and the demeanor for what the off-season was going to look like for the Duke team um, and focused, yes, on turning the program around and, and getting a resurgence of uh, success and, and a newfound energy and life within the program, but also the, the important you know, part of the grind acronym that he uses, the N of now, Mm -hmm. and um, winning in the now, and focusing on not just, okay, yeah, we want to be a perennial power, uh, a team that is going to bowl games, that is contending for ACC championships, but how about this year, and and the focus immediately on doing the things needed to get this team to where it needed to be, to, to where... They're winning games and and getting um, getting the, the the program back on track and so I think it's easy for a coach to focus on more of the long term and less the immediate results and it's it's a little risky honestly when you've got a, a roster comprised of people that you've had now, with the transfer portal being able to bring in some guys, but really no control over. Right. Um, you're completely at the mercy of whatever was left there um, is, is a huge challenge. and it it takes a lot of confidence to go in and say hey, we're focusing on on take uh, taking control of of what we can control this year and we're going to go out and try to make some some headway. Um, and I think that's that's been really remarkable. And part of the reason why we're sitting here right now talking about a game against Carolina that that actually has a lot to do with the Coastal Division race, and uh, it's a, a relevant topic.
0: It is, uh, yeah, because you know a new coach comes in, and you know it's going to take time to turn something around, especially as poorly as Duke played the last couple of years in ACC play, like going one and seventeen. And I remember in the preseason, you know, people ask, oh, how many games can Duke win this year? And I thought, hey, if they won four and they're competitive, that would be a win. That would be a huge accomplishment. But Elko, obviously, you know, coaches always say, we want to win this year and all that. But, you know, you talk to him and he's also building. He knows better is out there in the future. He wants to do better things. But like you say, he's not throwing away this season. He's getting the most out of the season. They've made a difference. Um, The team's obviously playing a lot better. And so, um, that's one thing people talking about Elko, he's, he's got this ability to, to, to multitask and think about a lot of different things at once, like almost like two tracks. Like I'm saying, like we're working toward the future, we're recruiting, we're going to be better. But yeah, also we got this group now that we didn't recruit mostly, but we're going to make them better too. and We're going to win. It's really a a remarkable thing. And something I didn't know about him when he came in.
1: Yeah. And he, he's kind of unassuming when you first meet him and talk to him, um, you know, a Jersey guy and, uh, is willing to be pretty relaxed mm-hmm. and um, certainly a very friendly personality, and you're like, okay, well, um, what what is what what's he really like? Like, what's going through his head? And you get the sense, having spent several months now with him, to your point, I mean, it is multifaceted. There there is so much going on, and the moving parts, and his ability to balance that and, and that's just what we've been able to pick up on from where we sit on the periphery of all of this i mean think about the detail that goes in to a lot of of what's happening and uh I, i've just been very impressed I, I used the word focus earlier but balance um prioritizing being able to compartmentalize and oftentimes like compartmentalization sometimes can have like a negative connotation to it, but it it means often that you neglect one one part of what you are compartmentalizing for the benefit of the other. And I, I don't get the sense that that is at all what's taking place here. Yeah, you have these different silos, but they're all very well connected. I think some of the there's there's like a, a a life raft in some ways of okay, you're off to a four win start here um by compartmentalizing realizing the now might not have the horses that you need to mm-hmm. to get to ball eligibility to get to the ACC championship um in in focusing also on that greater picture, which is ultimately the most important you have that to lean back on. I'm not saying it's an excuse it's not oh, it's okay that you know, this is woe is me this is what we've been the cards that we've been dealt that's that's not what I'm saying so much but it's seeing everything in that larger picture while also having the attention to detail and the sense of urgency that to handle the things that are important in the here and now
0: yeah um, you know it's really uh, uh, I, you know sometimes we are multitasking my wife has said this to me. Yeah. Your wife says, you're trying to do two or three things at once, you're not doing any of them well. No, that's right.
1: I got the idea of it's a negative connotation to compartmentalize. And she's like, yeah. men always compartmentalize. Okay, I get it. It's not great. I I can, you know, get home and only think about the meal that I'm eating and okay. not all the troubles that are going on. Right. right. I guess but, it's a talent.
0: Yes, he, he has, he. Mike Elko has a skill yeah. that, uh, you know, again, didn't know much about him. it's so, a, uh, Central Jersey guy, highly you know, educated, worked at Division three football all the way up to, you know, uh, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, high levels of college football. And this is where he picked for his first head coaching job. Um, and from what, you know, talked to him and his family. He is, a att- he, he was attracted to this job. for um, And there's a lot of reasons not to be, obviously, sure. right? But there are a lot of reasons to be. And he saw them and uh, he's come in and, and attacked it. And not only what he's done in the field, but uh, talk about all the different things he's doing. The way he's energized the students. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, the students, the former players, yeah, uh, I'm right. part of uh, a lot of text threads and email chains that um, have come back to life. I've had to mute a few of them on game day just because they're <laughs> distracting. My phone <laughs> keeps buzzing. But it's, it's a lot of excitement. And, I mean, you mentioned the students. Um, what a great turnout so far through the season. And he's done a good job of engaging with them on social media. Um, I know he's been part of certain meetings and and things trying to build that culture. And, uh, it's gotta be a priority, uh, not just at Duke, but anywhere. And I think at Duke, maybe it needs to be a higher priority because of the challenges that you face. Right. Um, I mean, it's not an easy job. Um, but I, I do love, the fact that he said this is the, the opportunity he was looking for. He feels at home here. Um, I know his wife, Michelle, feels the same way. Yeah. I mean, they they are thrilled to be part of Duke University, the everything that comes with that. And I'll tell you, I mean, from my perspective as a graduate, as a, a former player, like to hear somebody say that, but to also be around them and to know that they mean that it's not just lip service. It, it, it carries so much gravity and, and weight to, to me being able to buy in and to believe in, and what he's doing. And, um, I mean, he, he has gone about this about as good as anybody can and forming the relationships necessary. A coach can come in and, kind of bullishly go into a, a, a situation where they don't care about the politics. They don't care about the relationships. I just want to win. I want to get down to, I'm a football coach. Yeah. You you need to give me everything. That has not been his attitude whatsoever. Um, and I think at Duke, it needs to be nuanced like that. And uh, the focus on the complete student athlete, that's such a, 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 a huge topic in, in today's uh, world but the, the nutrition side of things we, we've joked already about food but like they, these guys are getting fed better than they ever have yeah um, he he put the pressure he knew it was a place he wanted to be but he also put the pe- pressure on the administration to kind of prove that they wanted him and it, like this is what it's going to take to win the fact that he's been at some of these high level programs he understands better than anybody how to compete and what resources are required. And it's been great to see not only like this, this marriage really takes two to tango with Mike Elko being interested in Duke, but you know, on the other side, Nina King, Art Chase, the administration, president, uh, president price, sorry. sorry. um, Uh uh, All being willing to do what it takes uh, to, to be successful. And, I mean the staff has almost doubled in size yes. and uh, think about the attention that the students the student athletes get now with that increase in and, and staffing whether that's the weight room the the training or wherever it is mm-hmm. having more people that are being paid to focus on you only is going to make you better and we've seen that pay off ma- massively in the the physical Nature of each player on this team—they're bigger, they're stronger, they—they're able to be more competitive on the field because of and that, just what's going on in the weight room. That doesn't even count person. everything else,
0: right? And that's one thing where you know people talk about uh, putting money into the program, infrastructure—you know, the uh, facilities race, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's all important. The, the work they did to upgrade—you know, the stadium, Haskell Fieldhouse, all that stuff. But it's this behind-the-scenes stuff that people forget about the uh, the human uh, investment yeah. in uh, in staff, and uh, uh, it's not just you know obviously they're paying the, they're paying the coaches more than they did uh, previously and all that, but but just somebody bringing in like a modern approach to things, and that that's what I think happened. I We're we'll get into this too much, I guess. But the end of the of the affair, you played for Coach Cut, yeah. he recruited you. Know how much you know. We both uh, uh, admired him, and he's. he's but uh, but things got stale at the end. There's no doubt about that. And I wondered how much difference somebody could make. But it's just the, the fact that he's a coach that's been at other places, at other high-level places in, in his recent past. That knows the ideas of what it takes to win now in college football, not maybe ten or twenty years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, the that history that he brings with him and. And, and hearing what he's picked up from uh, a, a, a guy like Jimbo Fisher and being around that program. And then um, all the coaches, he, he was around at his stops at Notre Dame, Wake Forest. I mean, you've got the academic side. You've got, you know, the, the storied history of Notre Dame um, play, and coaching alongside a coach that was you know kind of the the fiery yeah. you know get after you style um and it's just when, when you have that kind of past and when you're patient for your first head coaching opportunity i think that that's something that you're able to lean on and it has been a big difference um overall in his uh in his success and being able to turn what uh, was a program that was definitely struggling yeah. hadn't won in the ACC uh, in quite some time, and take the Virginia game as the best example—you know, seven-game losing streak—and that yeah. is no more. Um, and I think, too, in fact, like fact, like, yeah. yeah, a total reversal. Yeah, and I think, too, Steve, the 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 fact that the guys the players out there look so much different shows that the the focus on what is in the weight room and the training program and the nutrition element to that can win you games Mm -hmm. um i mean there's there's an x's and o's element there is a development part but a lot of that takes a a long time to to create you know the, the the x's and o's and the understanding of a scheme takes years uh, to to instill, and you've got it. You've got the young players that come up through the program. What has taken place over the course of what is it eight months? Basically, mm-hmm. um, that's to me shows the the impact that a weight training program with a guy like David Feely yeah. um, can have. And um, it's just we're we're seeing the stars align in many ways, and it's not just by happenstance. Like this has been a a calculated approach um and it's it's headed up by mike elko certainly but to bring the right people together to win in the now um, and a lot of that comes to your point from from what they've picked up in their past so yeah. many different paths to get here and you're bringing all those minds together it, it's turning it into wins yeah and that makes
0: again this week's game with carolina um, a little more, a little more exciting. It's going to be a Saturday night game, eight o'clock kick, uh, prime time. Saturday night games here normally have pretty good crowds. I mean, I know Duke's don't have struggles to put people in the building here. Obviously, with Carolina coming over, that's not going to be a problem this week. But, but you know, we'll get we'll get a good atmosphere, I think. And and it, it's got a chance. I mean, I think the point spread is like six points or something, so uh, in Carolina's favor. But that's a heck of a lot better than what we saw the last couple of years. And um, you know, this is a series that. Uh, the last 10 games, it's 5-5. Five to five. So it's not like, you know, when you came into school, obviously, Carolina won nineteen, twenty, whatever it was, 20 out of 21 games. And uh, you guys helped turn that around uh, with some big wins, including 10 years ago oh, man. Uh, this, this month, yep. uh, the catch Jameson Crowder made at the end, is, you know, Sean Riffre threw it. You guys were all part of that play. It goes down to Duke lore and it placed bowl eligibility for the first time since 94. That was in 2012. Does that mean
1: I'm old now?
0: Uh, I think we're both. both uh, yeah. yeah we're the both fact that that was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but what a night, what a game. So let's talk just for a moment. Uh, what, what impact that had. It really was one of the bigger moments in Duke football history. No
1: doubt. And I, I think it's got an impact in where Duke football is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, looking out over the, we're recording this and uh, the tower, we're yeah. up the tower that did not exist at the time. And, looking out over a facility that is totally different, um, wins like that helped. And honestly, wins like that arguably helped Duke get the current coach that they've got. Uh, Because And talking with Coach Elko, he's like, look, the the Duke football I have known recently was a a team that I had to coach against at Wake Forest that was rolling and had draft picks and was really good. And that kind of established... I guess the the reputation for him, and I mean, he hasn't said this to me, but you've got to think helped in getting him here because That's he understood what what is capable. Um, and so, yeah, that that 2012 victory, um, the bowl eligibility part being the biggest, mm-hmm. um, you know, clinching that. I just never forget, Steve, the this, the the way Wallace Wade was at the time. I mean, it was a great crowd yeah. on hand rocking the student section was awesome and i'll stick to this i mean a packed house here rivals just about any in in the conference i mean virginia tech does a good job of getting that situation on a weekend week out basis and they've got a great like inner sandman's awesome but when duke has a full stadium this place is is it's, it's pretty, you know, compact, combined, but it can be loud. It, you can have a great home field advantage, and as a player, that matters. And that's the thing. I mean, yeah, i remember the plays. I remember so many things from that game, but the atmosphere and the environment, you where know, everybody running out saying, wow, like, this is what it, it can be. And a lot of that is is dependent on the team. And, yeah. you know, you need to win to get that. But I guess to all the Duke fans listening – it matters, and for you to be here, especially for a rivalry game, will we'll be in the world and can make a difference in a game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about that game, maybe getting Elko here, he has said, uh, we've heard too, that for not the job that Coach Cutcliffe did, he wouldn't be here. Yeah. Like, you know, the Duke program that was here before Coach Cutcliffe was here, it's not something that would have attracted him at all, so... That game, you know, going to bowl game six out of seven years, all that kind of stuff, even before it fell apart, that that has to be celebrated for sure. Um, so let's talk quickly about uh, about this week's uh, matchup with Carolina, and uh, you know, Duke's coming off the tough loss Saturday at Georgia Tech, twenty three twenty in overtime. Uh, they showed a heck of a lot of fight. I mean, that's the one thing that's different immediately from from I think last year that game is probably forty two to six. So you know, it's not a moral victory. I mean, I, believe me, I know that doesn't count the standings, but. Uh, you know, just what do you think about Duke's chances this week against? You know, Carolina probably the coastal favorite at this point, given they, they beat Miami. That, you know, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah,
1: you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, it always is. Yeah. Um, in a in a coastal game, Blue Devils found that out last week uh, mm-hmm. against Georgia Tech, but especially against Carolina, it the pads always pop differently against those guys. Um, no matter where you played it, there's just um, there's a heightened intensity. There's um, a, and there's always a want to to win, but it, it just kind of increases when you're you're playing those guys. And um, I just I, I, I do con- get concerned about the health of this mm-hmm. team, yeah. Um, because the fight, to your point, is not an issue. I mean, these guys are, are willing to scrap it out till the very end. I think against. Georgia Tech one of the challenges was not having a running back room that was completely healthy right um not having your best receiver and Jalen Calhoun those things will start to rear up um against a, a team like Carolina who's got a very good offense um I mean we we don't even talk about the the fact that the Blue Devils have had you know Mausi, one of your better linebackers, nicked up for the better right. part of the season. Yeah. Um, be, defensive linemen that are coming in. So hopefully Duke can get back to healthy. That's not an excuse, but it definitely is an inhibiting element of of being as successful as you would want to be, especially with a team that isn't as deep top to bottom as uh, some of the other schools, and, uh, as Carolina is, to be honest.
0: Right. And that's one thing. Again, we talk about Elko, two-track mind. there of – Trying to win now and build for the future obviously the, the program is not built up to where he wants it to be the, the depth isn't isn't there the way he envisions it being in maybe three or four classes down the road but this is a, the group he's got to go with now so um you know drake, drake may is going to be hard to stop He had a tremendous start to the season yeah. at quarterback riley leonard is is playing really well uh now uh, last saturday it was really the first time i thought he was pressured a lot, and it really seemed to impact his play.
1: Yeah, I think Georgia Tech has a, a really good defensive line. Um, I don't think many people talk about their defense. They, they tackle really well, but they're they're athletic, and um, I mean they they cause problems. They cause problems for a Pittsburgh team with an offensive front that I think is really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, pressure on Riley Leonard definitely something that you want to minimize as, as you continue the rest of the year. Um, I think Riley. Is, is, we forget, is still a very young quarterback. I mean, he jumped out to a really good year this season so far, but he, he's he got a lot of growth, a lot of learning to do. Um, he's taken care of the football really well, had a, you know, a challenge with that, um, throwing an interception in an interop- inopportune time. that there, uh, there is an opportune time to throw an interception. Right. It's especially tough when you're going in to score. Um, and I'm just excited to see the continued development out of him. He's the, the difference maker, I think, and erases a lot of issues that Duke has on offense with his mobility, his willingness to be physical in the run game if he needs to. Um, that's, a, that's an equalizer that the Blue Devils have on offense that um, they're going to have to rely on more if the running backs – you know, continue to be beat up if if you don't have some of the bigger playmakers on the outside that you need. Yeah. This is going to have to be the Riley Leonard show. I think he's certainly capable of it, but you've got to protect him and and keep the uh, the pressure at a minimum. Uh, so Duke has been at their best when their offensive line is playing at their best. I think that's a unit that is the most improved yeah. um, across the board, and so that got to continue that. But if Duke's going to win against North Carolina, um, oftentimes these rivalries are dictated by the play of the, along the line of scrimmage. And I do think if, if Duke can get pressure um, on, on May and, and get him off of his points and then conversely push the line of scrimmage in the Blue Devils' favor on offense, similar to what they did against Virginia – and um, it, it can help keep the Blue Devils into this game in the fourth quarter, and I anticipate this being something that gets determined late in the game, right. as as uh, so many of these rivalry games do.
0: They have for sure. Um, yeah, those are great points, and I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun Saturday night here at Walls Wayne Stadium when when Carolina comes in. So. Um, David I really appreciate you joining us this week on the on the podcast. It's a perfect time to do it. I Always think. happy to do it. Uh, yeah.
1: Ten years. Hopefully, the next <laughs> ten years go a little slower. Uh, <laughs> there you and, go. Uh, and hopefully, we got a lot to talk about as we head into the latter part of October and November. Um, just fun to see Duke playing with that fight. I, yes. I think that, and again, the moral victory thing. It, nobody's hunting that, but as as someone who watches this team closely, the fight means that. You're heading in the right direction, and Absolutely. I'm just excited to see where the rest of this um, Elko coach team goes as we deal with the now, obviously, but the next couple of years, get his guys in, and uh, continue to develop. I think the guy's gonna the-
0: yeah, very good. Um, and you talk about you know October, November, maybe even a game in December. Who knows? I'd take it. it might know. be out there. Yeah,
1: you can give me a good Christmas gift. <laughs> very good.
0: <laughs> All right, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, this is the ACC Now Podcast, sponsored by the News and Observer. I'm Steve Wiseman. Thanks for joining us.